This is a podcast from meow.net. M-I-A-A-W dot net. Meow! Welcome to Genuine Inquiry, a monthly series of audio essays, each of which interrogates a topic close to our hearts. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Genuine Inquiry. My name's Owen Kelly. In this episode, I want to look at NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and ask whether they are of any benefit to artists and of any benefit to anybody interested in cultural democracy. I'm posing this question because I recently read an essay on Medium by Ellis Brooks. The essay is called NFTs are critical for the future of art. And it set me thinking. It set me thinking about what NFTs actually are and about what use they are, why we would want to use them and what the consequences of that would be. Let me begin by quoting from the article by Ellis Brooks. Multiple things can be true at once, even when they appear to be contradictory. Granite, for example, can be both solid and ethereal. Hold a chunk of it in the palm of your hand and it's clearly a rock. View it at the atomic level and it's a galaxy of particles. How you describe it depends entirely upon your frame of reference. Similarly, NFTs can be trash-ass garbage peddled by black-pilled edgelords and grifters, They can also reshape the trajectory of art in a way that's truly and deeply important. Now she goes on to talk about the digital revolution and some of the consequences of it. Uh, She talks about the fact that digital artefacts are necessarily reproducible and she worries that the concept of authorship disappears if you have infinitely reproducible works of art points out that digitization means infinite digital copies. Web 2, she says, means instant frictional dissemination. This combination of reproduction and distribution is enough to cause a seismic shift in how we relate to media, comparable to the introduction of the printing press in Renaissance Europe. But while the printing press led to increased literacy rates, exposure to new cultures and ideas, and famously the Protestant Reformation, we've seen lightning-quick proliferation of misinformation with digitization, and with it an erosion of democracy and increased radicalization. Imagine you're an illustrator. You spend a couple of weeks perfecting your drawing and post it to Instagram so people can see it. Maybe they like it, and it generates engagement. Maybe your illustration goes viral as it's reposted and reproduced in a thousand different ways. Somewhere along the line, people stop crediting your work and your role as the creator is lost. Now it's just another image circulating the internet. This cycle reflects a loss of authorship. Authorship is the connection between the artist and their work, and this matters for a few reasons. There's the obvious issue, artists deserve recognition for the work they create, But at a cultural level, art also starts to be viewed as something that magically emerges fully formed from the ether. The work artists put into the act of creation is devalued. When that labour is devalued, artists have to fight harder to get paid. When artists stop getting paid, you see a decline in innovation and art stagnates. Now I'd like to disagree fundamentally with this line of argument. It's a common line of argument, and I have to say that Ellis Brooks has a very well-argued version of it. 
The essay is quite lengthy. It's a 15, 20-minute read, and I will post a link to it at the end of the uh, podcast and um, place a link on the website. Her argument, I think, falls in a number of different ways. Firstly, this is a very ahistoric view of art. We've looked at this in previous uh, episodes. Art did not always involve artists. Art did not always involve art. Creativity was the baseline. People created things for all sorts of different reasons, for religious reasons, for reasons of power, reasons of celebrating power. People created temples, they created palaces, and they filled those palaces and temples with what we now call art. But the relationship between the artists and the art they created was not the relationship we saw in the 19th and 20th century. That was a post-romantic view that saw artists as entrepreneurs inside capitalism who deserved A, a career, and B, an acknowledgement of their career. And then, in addition to that, we saw, as we discussed recently, the invention of copyright. And copyright was intended to provide a second mechanism for earning. Most people earn money for what they do. It's time-based or it's product-based. You either pay me as a labourer for eight hours of my time or as a craftsman you pay me for the cabinet I have just made you or indeed the picture I've just painted you. Under copyright you earn royalties. That means that the piece of music I have made I get paid for over and over and over again. I was reading, reading an article recently about Noddy Holder who you may or may not know. Noddy Holder was the singer with Slade and the writer of their hits. And one of their hits uh, was a Christmas song, and that's one of those that gets played on British radio almost every Christmas. And Noddy Holder has what he calls a very comfortable retirement plan based entirely around getting paid again and again and again for that piece of work. That's not something a cabinet maker gets and it's not something a painter gets nor indeed is it something that somebody who works in a car factory gets so the idea that artists have a historical right to be paid for what they do is a tricky one yes obviously everybody deserves a living but there are many ways of solving that I read recently that the Republic of Ireland is introducing a minimal wage for artists. That is to say, there'll be a universal minimal wage which people who claim to be artists will qualify for. That's one way of tackling how artists might make a living in a digital age. Now, obviously, you say, well, it's a minimum wage. Why would people want that? That's a starting point, isn't it? If you make something that many people want, you'll earn more than the minimum wage. But if you want to produce work regardless, then the Republic of Ireland, apparently, is on the verge of supporting you in this by making sure that you get a universal minimal wage. So that's that aspect. The idea that people are in need of a career as artists depends on how you see artists. 
and what you see their role as. And the idea that authorship disappears depends on how you see authorship. If you see authorship more having a collective uh, basis, having a communal basis, if you see authorship as something that arises from the, within the community, within a community, then authorship is already a complex matter. And across most of history and most of geography, authorship has been something that has been seen to arise from within communities. And the idea that I wrote this book, I made this record, I painted this picture, would strike most people across most periods of time and space as odd, an odd claim to make, an odd claim to want to make. So I think, as I said, Ellis Brooks's argument is taking a very small slice of history and trying to claim that as an ahistoric norm. She then goes on to explain what NFTs are and why she thinks they're important for artists. She says, NFT stands for non-fungible token, which allows an artist to take an easily reproducible digital object like a photograph or a video and mint it to become a unique digital object. This establishes a point of origin and acts as a kind of certificate of authenticity. Each time that NFT is sold, the transaction is publicly recorded and preserved using blockchain technology, creating a record that is forever traceable back to the artist. In the art world, we call this provenance. It's one way to determine an object's authenticity. By introducing technology that can establish uniqueness and authenticity to an otherwise infinitely reproducible object, you're effectively reintroducing the entire concept of authenticity to a digital space swimming with copies. And by tying that digital object to its creator, you are also reaffirming authorship. Now, I have several things to say about this. Firstly, You can achieve what she's suggesting without any reference to NFTs. If she's talking about uh, making a digital piece in whatever medium, sound, uh, picture, whatever, if she's talking about making a digital piece authentic or authenticating some digital piece, then you can do that with digital watermarks. There are complex digital watermarks that can live inside pieces of music or digital images. They live there and they can be revealed and they will establish authorship. If your concern is plagiarism or your concern is people reusing your work without the possibility of you getting credit or payment, you can use watermarking to prevent that without any recourse to blockchain technology. The worst aspect of this suggestion is the fact that it does involve blockchain chain technology. And blockchain technology is extremely resource intensive. In fact, many people are beginning to look at blockchain technology as the work of the devil, insofar as it uses up masses and masses and masses of computer resources to meet very little real need. In Technica, for example, have uh, reported that Bitcoin uses more electricity at peak than 159 countries. 
Now, they say this is a, an absurd situation, and it's due to the artificial scarcity that leads to many, many miners increasingly hard, working hard, competing for the remaining few million coins. They say this is a temporary problem, and it's not necessarily part of all blockchain development or future blockchain development. Nonetheless, we have a technology here that has started with a massive use of electricity designed to generate scarcity. And this is, in fact, what uh, Ellis Brooks is referring to. She's trying to find a way of reintroducing scarcity into a technology, digital technology, that simply does not work with scarcity. Now this is, in the end, the issue at stake. Blockchain is a technology that uses massive resources to generate artificial scarcity where, in principle, no scarcity should exist. And that, I think, is a problem. It's a problem because even though we can look forward to a future in which blockchain technology becomes more efficient and the consensus mechanisms work more efficiently and therefore use electricity more efficiently, nonetheless, we're looking at a situation where we are trying to make something awful work better, which raises the question, why not create a system that isn't awful and doesn't therefore need ameliorating in order to work better? I don't believe blockchain technology is an answer to this. I don't believe blockchain technology is, in fact, an answer to much at all. In terms of cultural democracy, I would argue that blockchain technology is an attempt to make everything an asset, everything a tradable asset. In The Guardian the other day, there was an article about uh, videos now being released as NFTs, and a television series being developed that will be released as an NFT. Why? Because it will generate scarcity. Because suckers will think that it's worth paying the extra amount of money to have something unique. Suckers. Those people that always gather around charlatans and insist on buying things, spending money on things, working hard to spend money on things that do not do anything useful. That's my feeling about blockchain technology. I reserve the right to change that feeling completely. But I do think in terms of the problem that Ellis Brooks has identified, blockchain technology simply offers more complications and not the solution that I believe she believes it offers. As I said earlier, I will place a number of URLs, including the URL to the original article, on the Meow website. That's meow.net website. And hopefully you'll go there and read them. And I think the original article is well worth reading. And I am not necessarily doing it justice. And I would also point out that the original article includes three very interesting examples of artists using blockchain technology to authenticate their work. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Now that you've heard the podcast, please go to the website. There you'll find much more details about topics talked about, links to references, and much more. You can find the website at meow.net. That's M-I-A-A-W dot net. See you there.